Welcome to the latest podcast from Argus, a leading provider of energy and commodity price benchmarks. We track and discuss the prices that create our world. The date is March 3rd, 2020. I'm David Hanna, Vice President North Asia Argus, based in Tokyo. Today, I will be talking about the coronavirus impact on the petrochemicals markets. Joining me are my colleagues in the editorial team, Mohamed Fadil, Argus Petrochemical Editor in Dubai, and Bohan Lo, Argus Petrochemical Editor in Singapore. Bohan and Fadil, thank you for joining me today. Fadil, let's start with you. We continue to see high inventories for polyethylene and polypropylene. What is the impact on the polymers market? Thanks, David. High polymer inventories in China from the coronavirus outbreak are fueling concern among producers of a downward price correction in March. What we see now is China's polyethylene and polypropylene inventories declined last week as supply chain links gradually improved. Stocks at state-controlled Sinopec and PetroChina fell to 1.19 million tonnes last week, compared with 1.42 million tonnes on 19 February. The decline did not necessarily mean a strong pickup in demand and could reflect movement of product from producer to trader warehouses. P and PP inventories in China expanded to a historic high of 1.6 million tonnes on 17 February. This was a significant increase from levels just before the Lunar New Year. Polymer stockpiles stood at 590,000 tonnes only on 23rd January. Argus assessed prices PP Rafia in China on 27 February, $5 per tonne lower at 820 to 840 CFR from a week earlier. While LLDPE prices were around $5 per tonne down at 800 to 820 CFR. P and PP plants in China continued with production cuts last week. Major international producers of polyolefins reported continued poor demand from converters and consumers, largely from expectations of further price declines of polymer resins. Major converters in Northeast Asia reduced operations from weak consumer demand for plastics. Well, uncertainty in prices of ethylene and propylene feedstock also are growing concerns of further volatility in the spot PE and PP markets. Thank you for your comments, Vadal. Now let's put the COVID-19 in the larger context. Obviously, the health risk from the virus is indeed serious, and it's wise to take necessary precautions. However, if you take a quick look at the numbers, it shows that the spread of the virus pales in comparison with the regular annual flu. Now, the global death toll as of today stands at about 3,000 from the COVID-19 out of which about 2,870 of the fatalities are in China. In comparison, the seasonal flu kills on the order of 290,000 to 650,000 people worldwide each year, this according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So the biggest effect is not necessarily on health, but rather it's psychological and therefore economic. Because of the psychological impact on the economy, a lot of global wealth has been destroyed and will continue to be destroyed as a result. Based on the latest public figures from the IMF and elsewhere, 
we estimate that the overall economic loss this year in 2020 will be about $90 billion globally. There's an impact both from the demand side and the supply side. On the demand side, clearly, people are taking less time to go out and purchase goods. So demand is taking a hit in terms of people buying discretionary goods like clothes and automobiles. Meanwhile, on the production side, commodities that support consumer goods, for example, paraxylene, which ultimately supports the apparel industry, and polyolefins, which supports plastic bags and automobiles, production of these commodities has been reined in. However, because there's already been a surplus of capacity, a lot of the cuts that have been taking place in production have not been keeping pace with declining demand. As a result, overall prices are on the decline. Now let's talk a bit about the indirect effects of the COVID virus on the economy. The effects of the virus on the economy go beyond the immediate reduction of demand. Within China, rising consumption over the past several decades means that the so-called multiplier effect is bigger than ever before. This means that for every one yuan that a consumer spends in China, an extra 3.3 yuan is generated in additional spending. Now globally, China's share of the global economy has ballooned from a mere 4% to 17% since the SARS outbreak back in 2003. So the impact of China on the global economy is much more magnified. The IMF has trimmed its 2020 growth forecast for global GDP from 3.3 to 3.2%. They also reduced their forecast for China's GDP growth by 0.4 percentage points to 5.6% this year. What this means is that for every one percentage point that China's GDP slows, the global economy loses 0.25 percentage points in growth. China is now the biggest supplier of parts and inputs for almost every conceivable industry, from automobiles to pharmaceuticals and high-tech. What this means is that distant markets in Europe have had to slash automobile output, for example, because the production of mechanical parts in China has been cut back. Currently, China alone accounts for roughly half of the supply of auto parts globally. So what's the prognosis? The epidemic in China is widely expected to peak out by April, but it is still an open question as to whether the current rate of infection outside of China means that it has indeed become a pandemic. If the virus dies out by Q3 of this year, as widely expected, there will certainly be a V-shaped recover in activity after China gets back on its feet. However, this does not mean that there will be a V-shaped recovery in wealth generation, per se. This is because of the lag in the system. Inventories need to be rebuilt and this will take time. Now that's the medium term outlook. What about the longer term? In the long term, although a complete decoupling from the Chinese economy is simply not realistic, you can expect to see more production being reshored in the U.S., as well as limited shifts of some supply chains to locations outside of China. Vietnam and India are often cited as examples. But it is still much more efficient to deal with the government of one big economy, China, than to deal with many smaller countries. Moreover, it is questionable whether small economies such as Vietnam or economies with infrastructure challenges such as India can actually handle a transplant of entire supply chains. In the long term, the so-called China risk will likely be reduced, but not eliminated altogether. Bohan, what about PX? Is sentiment bearish? Existing PX sentiment is not overly bearish. 
as there has been previous cuts to operating rates throughout the Asia-Pacific region when producers reacted to poor margins. There has also been a build-up in PX inventories across producers, but this build-up has not been as rapid because of previous production cuts. A series of scheduled maintenances during the first quarter of the year has also limited supply and consequently the speed of mounting inventory. The longer-term expectations continue to be oversupply as new capacities are brought on stream in China and production is being ramped up. In the downstream PTA and polyester sectors, this inventory buildup is more apparent with multiple PTA producers either cutting operating rates or completely shutting down. The polyester sector is also hard hit with a shortage in labour as folks were not able to return to work. We have, however, seen some resumption recently and we'll see a gradual ramp up in production. We will have to monitor development in countries with the new coronavirus outbreak and its consequent impact on supply or demand. How are Middle East producers reacting to the coronavirus? Are trades to Asia still proceeding as normal? Well, David, Middle East producers are taking a step back and may move material away from Asia should logistical challenges continue. Freight rates from Middle East Gulf to Asia have increased as vessel owners impose a premium on shipments to China. This is not surprising as vessels and crew living China are typically subject to a quarantine period around two weeks, which means a loss of business for ship owners. This could make Middle Eastern producers keener to sell to Turkey and Africa. Middle East countries are also expected to announce increased restrictions at their ports in response to the coronavirus outbreak. Petrochemical exports from Kuwait are continuing as normal. Current restrictions in Kuwait do not cover oil vessels and currently do not affect petrochemical traffic either. Middle East producers may face increased competition for certain petrochemical products from the US. China has announced that it will accept applications for buyers to be exempt from tariffs on US origin HDPE and LLDPE from 2nd March. Bohan, can you share with us the outlook for Asia? What's next? The outlook for petrochemicals in Asia really depends on how well each country responds and manages their coronavirus outbreaks. And this would have the consequential impact on either demand or supply. There is overall consensus that this outbreak will inevitably shave off economic growth in major economies as well as global GDP. And we will see this reflected in petrochemical demand. Parts of China are already resuming business and production and the petrochemical markets should also see an uptick. But we are still quite far off from how markets seasonally perform towards the end of the first quarter. There will also be more petrochemical production capacities entering operations this year and the next. It is also noteworthy that these new additional capacities will come on stream as countries are still struggling to contain the coronavirus outbreaks. If you'd like more stories and updates on the coronavirus impact on petrochemical markets, please visit ArgusMedia.com for our coronavirus hub page and follow us on Twitter at ArgusMedia. Thanks everyone for listening.